Good morning, everyone. I really enjoyed that worship this morning. It was beautiful, wasn't it? I really, I, I thought, uh, I, I, I was with the elders this morning before the service praying, and I couldn't help think, I was just talking with them for a minute about how, you know, we always wonder about eternity and how long is eternity and I, w- I was thinking along the lines that eternity is not going to seem like eternity to us because the longer we're in heaven, we're going to be in the presence of God. We're going to be knowing him more and more. And think about it. His qualities are unlimited, infinite. His, his glorious attributes and his character So every day when we learn something, well, there won't even be days, just the continuing of eternity, but every moment we're in his presence, we're going to be drinking in that glory of God. And I was thinking, like, we could be there for 14 billion years, which is nothing in eternity, but think of how much we'll know God more in that time, in 14 billion years. What will the worship be like then? When we really, because we right now, we think sometimes we're spiritual. We were talking about that. But we, we know nothing about God. We know enough to be able to have a relationship with him and seek him. But God is infinite. And we're so finite. We're so limited. And we have little tiny bits of knowledge about God. But think after spending billions and billions of years with him, how much we'll, more we'll know And how much more intense will that worship be? And that'll only be the start after, say, 15 billion years. We'll just go on and we'll never get bored or tired in heaven because there's there's an endless, uh, endless things to know about God. And every time we do, we're going to be in awe and wonder. I always love in the book of Acts when it says the people were filled with awe and wonder of God. And I'd love to see us get to a place like that during our, our, our daily lives and our worship of just being in such awe and wonder of who God really is. But anyway, let's move on to our message this morning. We're going to be looking at the topic of discernment this morning. We're continuing in 1 John and we're starting chapter 4 today and the plan is to try to get through the first, first six verses. I don't know if we'll make it through all six this morning, but that's okay. Uh, so if you would find that in 1 John chapter 4, and I'd like to pray, and then we'll get into the message. Father, I pray you would open our hearts, open our eyes, our ears, Lord, to, to just get a glimpse of your glory, Lord. And this morning I pray, Lord, that through this time, Lord, uh, we might grow in our knowledge and our love for you, Lord, as we look at who you really are. We love you, Lord, but yet we know that our love is so imperfect and we 
We pray, Lord, that we would learn to love you more perfectly and one another as well. And may you use this time and just help us, Lord, to be the people you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. If you recall, I've, I, I know I've probably been redundant about it. I've repeated myself a lot. There's one thing I kind of enjoy to the Apostle John when he writes because he has a tendency to repeat things a lot. You'd notice he'll start talking about love in chapter 1, and then all of a sudden in chapter 3, and chapter 4, and chapter 5. He, he goes back, John's teaching has been uh, described by someone as almost a screw being put into a piece of wood, because it starts, and he gives you a little information about a topic, and then as you turn the screw, it gets deeper, and it widens, and it widens, and he keeps building on this. And he's been, he's been talking about uh, what we're going to look at today when John talks about testing the spirits. He's already talked about the spirit of the Antichrist. And he ended in chapter 3, which we'll look at briefly before we get into chapter 4. He introduces again that the spirit of God is within us, the Holy Spirit. So... If you would, we'll get to 1 John chapter 4, but I'm going to start in verse 3. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 23 of chapter 3. Let me just make this a little taller here. Okay, that's better. All right, if you look at chapter 3, verse 23, we looked at this last week. John says, and this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Basically, a, a brief description of a Christian. It's to have faith in Christ and to love. Then he tells us in verse 24, those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. Now, this I want you to hear. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Okay, so he's given us the Holy Spirit. Now he takes from that verse, he's going to go into this next section about testing the spirits. It's kind of a lead-in to it here. And I'll read verses 1 through 6. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. And that's not referring to the Antichrist, if you remember, but that spirit of Antichrist, those who are against Christ. Those who aren't Christians, John says, are Antichrist. They're not for Christ, they're against Christ. Verse 4, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. 
We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. All right, so John in verse 24, he introduces that believers have the Holy Spirit within them. Now, when we start chapter 4 here, John says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. When John here is using that word spirits, there are many spirits, he's not actually talking about the spirit itself, but he's talking about the person, the human, uh, the human being that is being motivated by that spirit. And the reason I say that is if you look, he says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. He says, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. He's talking about these false prophets. Remember the whole premise of this book. When he starts it, he's writing it because the church has been uh, infiltrated with false teachers. They've gotten their point across, obviously, because people were leaving the church following heresy rather than the truth. And now this is where John really gets to the issue of this with the false prophets. So he says there are many spirits out there, and what he's talking about are human beings, the vehicle that, God, that uh, Satan uses here, these false prophets, to carry out the desires and plans of those spirits, of demons, we can say, or Satan or demons. He says, and you know, that's a topic where we get uncomfortable with a little bit. I don't think we like to talk about demons too much because we're afraid. We, we don't want to sound too charismatic now, you know. And, uh, you know, because there are, there are these hyper-charismatic churches, you know, that everything is the demon of smoking, the demon of eating, the demon of, of arthritis, and it becomes, it becomes a little bit excessive at times, you know, and it, you start chasing demons on the rocks and on the chairs and all over the place. But the truth is, if you believe there is a being named God who is good, you have to believe that there is an evil being named Satan. And as there are angels, there's demons. And we don't, we, today maybe we've become a little more sophisticated and some of us, we, we've tried to be more subdued in how we show our emotions and our feelings and things and express them, express them and we, we shy away from that. But John here is directing it. He's basically saying that there's two types of people in the world, and you'll see that as we read it. There's the children of God and the children of the devil. And if you don't belong to God, who do you belong to? Do you remember Jesus when he talked to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Israel? And they were saying, Abraham's our father and God's our father. And Jesus said, mm -mm, the devil is your father. You know, he says, if God isn't your father, you're under the influence of the devil. And he's called what? The God of this age. The prince of this world, he's referred to as. You know, the... Uh, spirit, uh, the prince of the power of the air. 
he's called Satan. And we have to get to a place where we realize there's two forces in the world. And the greatest spiritual battle we have, ultimately, is for the mind. And that's what it all actually works on eventually, is our thinking. How does the Bible say? How, as a man thinks, so he acts. Everything, our thoughts are the rehearsal hall for how we behave. You know, everything is thought out when we're moving and doing things. So he says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Now, what he's talking about here is discernment. He's not talking about judgment. There's a big difference. Jesus talked about that. And, he, and I, I know the world lots of times loves to, to take, the, uh, it's probably the most, one of the most abused Bible verses that people use. Ah, do not judge others or you'll be judged. They'll say that. So basically we can't make any type of decisions on anything based on facts. But if we look at that verse in the context of it, he's talking about being a hypocrite. In fact, just, just to get the idea of judgment and discernment here, just go to Matthew uh, chapter 7 for a minute, please. Because I, I have heard non-Christians use that type of phrase that, of, from the Bible. You know, oh, judge not or you'll be judged, especially in issues today when we're talking about sexuality. You know, if people are living together or homosexuality or transgenderism. And as soon as somebody comes with a different view, oh, you're, be, you're judging them, judge not, because you'll be judged. I've heard people use that phrase. And, it's, and they're using it absolutely wrong. Jesus says in verse 1 of chapter 7 of Matthew, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judged others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, if you take that out of context, you can make it say anything you want. But what's the context it's written in? He says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will be, see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Put it into context, and he's talking about being a hypocrite. You know, you have this, this tree in your eye, and you're looking at the speck of sawdust at somebody. He's saying, don't make hypocritical judgments. Stop that. We're not talking about that here. We're talking about discernment, about evaluating and comparing things to the truth here. It's, it's, it's a spiritual discernment that, that John is telling us to make, to look at the truth and to compare these things to the truth. It's not making a, uh, it's, it's using discernment here to, uh, to understand the situation. He says, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. These are those people that were in that church who were coming with these heresies he's referring to. He's saying these, these spirits that are coming, every spirit, he's talking about the false prophet that is being moved by the spirit of, of Satan or some demon. He says, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. So he's going to first tell us, this is how you get proper discernment. He says, if you want to know if somebody's a false prophet or not, he says, every spirit 
that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Look at any false religion, any cults, and what is the main thing that they attack? The doctrine of Christ on who Jesus is. Their Christology, their doctrine of Christ. If you get that wrong, if you don't know who the right Jesus is, you're not saved. And that's a delight to the enemy. You know, Satan loves nothing more than that for people to be misled and not know how to be saved. Uh, think about Jehovah Witness, the Mormons. Their doctrine of Christ is, is distorted. They don't have a proper doctrine of Christ. They don't know. I know Jehovah Witnesses once in a while come around to my house and some of you might agree, disagree with me. That's okay. But I do not argue or get into debates when Jehovah Witnesses come to my house because they're on an agenda. They are there. They have their scriptures ready and they're there for one thing, to, to convince me that I need to be part of their faith. When I'm alone with a Jehovah Witness in, a, in more of a regular relationship, then I'll talk about the Bible with them. Then I'll, I'll debate them and argue with them. But I don't, I don't feel I'm going to get anywhere. That's just my own uh, personal opinion. But I have said to Jehovah Witness, when they start you know, going, I say, listen, I say, you have to understand something. We believe in a different Jesus. You do not believe in the Jesus of the Bible. You know, and that's, and I leave it at that. I really do. So, you know, have a good day. And I, I don't want them to just continue to pound me with their, their heretical arguments for why Jesus is, you know, a created being. I, I, I won't go for that. But it says, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. So he tells us one way to discern these false prophets. Are they giving you the right doctrine of Christ. He says, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, Jesus, the God-man, Jesus, in order to fulfill the atonement that we needed and to keep everything proper, <laughs> he has to be all God, but all man. And if you recall in the beginning when we started this study, I was talking about some of the heresies, and one of them was the Serinthian heresy. That's the heresy that said that uh, Jesus, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember now, which I got my heresies mixed up here, because there's the, the Serinthians, I can't remember what they said. I'll get it in a minute. I'm having a senior moment here. This is, this is, this notes are helpful once in a while, but uh, they, they had a wrong doctrine of Christ, but they didn't say that Christ came in the flesh. I believe, <laughs> I'll have to think about it. I'm, I'll get back to you in a few minutes, okay? It will, co it will come to me. My, now, my, my mind is drawing a blank. Let me see if I have a note here on it. That would help me very much. Yes, okay. No, okay. Anyway, I'll give. Their heresy, anyway, it was a wrong, 
it was a wrong doctrine of Christ. One of them was the Docetists, and the Docetists believed that Jesus came down and entered the man, a man named Jesus, at his baptism, and then he left before. He didn't come in the flesh, is what he was saying. So there, and that may be the one I'm looking for, but this, this, you can't believe the number of heresies that were around in the first century. Amazing. Uh, but they did not believe that Christ came as the God-man. They believed that the Spirit of God came into the man. But Christ had to come as fully human, not as somebody who was just filled for a while and then taken out. He had, in order to identify with us and to be our substitute, he had to be completely human and at the same time completely God. They did not have, those, they did not have that doctrine correct. And John is warning them. He says the most important thing here is that they... You, they know that he came in the flesh. He's the God-man. You think of the name Jesus Christ. Jesus is the human. Christ is his divine title of who he is, the God-man. And he says, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. He makes that very very clear there. He says, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. So what he's saying is that it's the spirit of the Antichrist. Remember what the spirit of the Antichrist was, that that world system that was against God generated by Satan and demons. Yes, he still does. Absolutely. This is, this is nothing new. This is the same things come out all the time, generation after generation, like that. So he says, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. I want to show you something. If you want to flip to 1 John, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy. God bless you. First Timothy, chapter 4. To get a, a, a concept of, I'm talking about, you know, these false prophets, and, the, uh, and he's calling them spirits, and I want you to see how it works here, he said when he says it to Timothy. Ver verse 1 in chapter 4 of 1 Timothy. The Spirit, he's talking about now the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by who? Demons. He says, things taught by demons. And now watch and look at, here he explains, what are those vehicles that they use? Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. What is he saying? He's saying 
The doctrine itself, he says, it's coming through deceiving spirits, demons, and the messenger, the messenger, we can say, is these hypocritical liars, the false prophets or the false teachers. So he's saying it, the origin of it is demonic, the heresies. And then it's being presented through human, human beings here for it when he shows that. Okay, verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Okay, what does he mean you have overcome them? They've been at the church. They didn't fall for it. They've overcome this, this, this attack upon the apostolic truth. So these men came in the church, and, John, and it's important that we try to keep it in that context to understand why he's saying what he is and how he's saying it. He says, you are from God and have overcome them. You haven't bought into it. You haven't left the church with them because these guys came in, got their followers, and took off. And then he says, because the one who is in you Who's that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Okay. Do we believe that? That the Holy Spirit in us is more powerful than all the negative influences. I remember once hearing a Christian worry about if they could be possessed by a demon. That's an impossibility. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, you cannot be filled with a demon. That's impossible. And John, and John here is writing to them and letting them know, he says, that the one is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. When even though you've been faced with those false teachers, he says, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the truth. Do you remember what Jesus, in, when, he was, when he was in the upper room, the night before the crucifixion, he had the Last Supper there, which is called the Passover meal. He had, but he instituted the whole new supper. And then Judas left, and Jesus is telling them about what he's going to, he's going to be leaving, and he's going to be sending him the Holy Spirit. And he says, if you, if I can remember the verse, verse 15 says, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. And then what does he call him? The Spirit of Truth. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, Jesus refers to him to. In fact, the Holy Spirit is referred several times in the Gospel to the Spirit of Truth. And John is saying, you have that spirit in you. He's greater than the one in the world. You have the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth in you. And even though you have these false doctrines, you can fight that in your heart. Because John earlier, he says that you don't need anybody to teach you, he says. He says, you have an anointing. He's talking about the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit will guide us, as Jesus says, in, in righteousness, in truth. If we depend upon him, if we know God's word, he brings up, he illuminates God's word for us. 
That's why it's so important. One of the things in this is to, we have to know the word of God. And I tell you, there, there are many, I know many people in this church who really are, are well-versed in the Bible, and that's a good thing. It really is. And if we know the word of God, at times we'll hear something, but it's the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, who illuminates that and brings it back up to life. Have you ever, all of a sudden, like verses, you're talking to somebody or you're trying to witness to them and it's just like verses pop up in your head. And it's like, wow, I forgot I even knew that verse. <laughs> you know, it's like the Holy Spirit is just, you know, egging you on there and, and generating, you know, power for you. They are like that. So he says, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And... Then he says, they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. Worldly people can't speak godly things. Okay, it's impossible. They're from the world and therefore speak the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. You ever notice how people who have a, a worldly message, worldly people love to hear that message, Get up and, and start to talk about goodness and, and telling the truth and doing what's right and this and that and see how people react as much as, you know, a worldly person can, can start to talk on a level that they can, he can get right to that the, uh, the desires of, of their desires quickly like that. He says, verse 6, we are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. And John, some even feel that when he says, but we are from God, when he says you in verse 4, you dear children, he's talking about the congregation. In verse 5, when he says they, he's talking about the false teachers. And some believe that when John says here, uh, where is it? I just said verse 6. We are from God, and whoever knows God, listen to us. They think John might be talking about him as an apostle and one of the teachers, one of the apostolic teachers, that he's saying that you've listened to the apostolic truth that we've given you because you're from God. He's saying, but those other people who abandoned the church when they heard false teachings, they bought into it, they weren't from God. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And John is saying they're from the world, or they're antichrist. They are not, they don't belong to Christ. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So John I mean, gives us here, he says that every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. So he says, what are some of those tests? First of all, is their doctrine of Christ on? Does, are they preaching a right doctrine about Jesus, that Jesus is the God-man? I wonder, you know, the early church had simple doctrines. And John here is saying one of the basic foundations of the church that they had at that time is knowing that Jesus was the God-man. And... And then afterwards, he talks about uh, 
the Holy Spirit in us, that we have overcome, that we have that spirit in us. And he says that this is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood because they listen to the truth. But I was just wondering, we've gotten very sophisticated and complicated, but I wonder, sometimes I wonder if the church could be healthier if our doctrines weren't, if we stuck to the most basic doctrines, you know, uh, and really focused upon who is Christ. Let's worship him. Let's love him. And yeah, we have to be careful. Doctrine is good for us. But we have gotten into so many arguments about doctrines that aren't essential to the faith. You know, we'll get arguments about eschatology sometimes where it's important. But the bottom line is, do we know who Christ is? Do we know who our Lord is? Are we serving him? And I guess I'm not trying to oversimplify, trust me, but I wish we would get back to the heart of things. We'd focus more on my relationship with Jesus and with others. And I, I know I'm redundant on this, but I wish we would focus on loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and my neighbor is myself. And boy, what a church that would be if we were really doing that with all our might and our soul, you know, and uh, not get caught up in too many arguments that aren't essential to our salvation. That would be a good thing, I think. John, I I like that, you know, he really gets right to it. He says, you want to know who the Antichrists are? You want to know who's following doctrine of demons? Those who don't believe that Jesus is the God-man, that he came for us. And think about it, when you accept that Christ is the God-man, you automatically are buying into the Trinity because he's the Son of God. He's the second person of the Trinity. It almost you have to then get and believe the Trinity from this because he's the second person. You know what? Go to chapter 1 for a minute, if you would, please. Carol always tells me, I have to remember to say please when I do it. <laughs> the magic words, please and thank you. I forget sometimes. Look at when John, in the beginning here, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim to you concerning what? The word of life. In this beginning verse here John covers his humanity he says we've seen him we've heard him we've touched him he was a person but then he says we proclaim concerning the word of life now that's God God is the word of life he's the source of life he's the word of life and so he right there he he, in that first verse he talks about his humanity and his deity and John makes it clear that that is one of the most important things when we want to test the spirits is Christology to make sure that we have that right. And he also, you know, also talks about here that we hear the truth, you know, that we have the Holy Spirit in us, that we can hear the truth and we discern. But we are called to discern. We're, we're in a very a, a culture that is very afraid 
to say too much today. How every other day I read in the paper, somebody made a statement and then they got to go back on it quick and apologize because I've created great pain and hurt. And I, I feel like the whole world is like, you know, writhing in pain sometimes. Everybody's hurt and pain by people just saying their opinions sometimes or things. And we're in a culture like that right now. It's very politically correct. We can't be afraid to discern truth. If something is not truth, we have to say it's wrong. It's not right. We're afraid. I don't, I don't want to get anybody upset. I don't want to get baloney. <laughs> if something is not the truth, we had better tell them. Because that's not an act of love, is it? If somebody's talking about a false Jesus and I go, oh, yeah, that's nice. I'm not helping them, am I? I'm, I'm just reinforcing that they're going to hell. You know? And again, how do we speak the truth? In love. I'm talking strongly here now. If I was talking to a person, I wouldn't be quite talking that way. I try to talk to them with gentleness and respect. Not that I don't respect you right now. I don't want to say... Well, some of you, I, I just spoke, but, <laughs> but, but seriously, we can't be afraid when we discern that something is not from God, we had better say something about it, you know, and not be afraid to. Again, at the proper time, proper setting, I mean, you just don't start throwing out things, but when, when you feel there's a time, when you feel that urge, you're talking to somebody, you go, should be saying this I think we should probably it's probably the Holy Spirit saying come on speak the truth here it's okay we have to use discernment but uh, anyway we got through the six verses I had a lot more but I tried to shorten it up today to be gracious to you so I will uh, why don't we bow our heads we'll have a prayer and then let's sing the doxology together. We'll stand with that. In fact, would you, everyone, why don't we just stand? This way we're ready to sing the doxology. I might be a little more informal than, than some of you are used to. I don't know, but it's okay. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us the truth, Lord. Lord, forgive us when we just take for granted that you have given us new life in Christ, that you have given us your spirit, that you have given us your word, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would give us discernment to know what is from you and what is from Satan, Lord? What is, as you say, the Antichrist? Lord, help us, I pray. And give us a hunger and thirst, Lord, I pray, for your word. Lord, that we would have the knowledge to know what the truth is. And that you give us the Holy Spirit to give us the boldness to speak truth always in love, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for your love. Thank you for time to worship you in, in singing and in hearing and in praying. We love you, Lord, and I pray we would learn to love you more perfectly. And Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen.